When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. It's been a baking hot day everywhere, practically apart from Old Trafford, but uh, very intriguing day's play nevertheless. A little bit of time lost to uh, to almost a half a shower, but other than that, uh, they got through the day and it's left the match intriguingly poised with the uh, Pakistanis in their second innings, 137 for eight, a lead of 244. And you just feel, Simon, with the pitch as it is, that... You know, 250 is going to be a challenging target against that bowling attack, against that Pakistan bowling attack. I'd far rather be in Pakistan's position than England's position, but England have given themselves a chance. From 170 for eight, they look absolutely finished in reply to Pakistan's 326. They scored 49 for the last two wickets to cut the deficit to 107. And I think, you know, if you'd offered them... 137 for eight at the close of play, they would definitely have taken it. So they have got themselves back in the match, but it is going to require a great deal of batting skill and luck on the fourth day if England are going to chase down the target. They've still got two wickets to get, of course, so they don't quite know what that target is going to be yet, but it is going to be one of the biggest chases on this ground on a pitch that is wearing and the spinners in England's first innings, Pakistan's two leg spinners, shared six wickets between them. Mm. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, a lot of people would say, well, you know, Old Trafford, pretty good pitch, does a bit of spin and, and bounce, but generally it's a, it's a good track. Why is it so hard to chase 250 on the last day or the fourth day? And I suppose we're in an unreal situation, aren't we, where we've had three test matches in very quick succession uh, on this old Trafford surface. And, of course, they've all used different pitches, but groundsmen like at least sort of a month. I mean, they're, they're very uh, men of routine, actually, grounds, but they work incredibly hard, of course, but they like a long time to get... They're very precious. They like a long time to get their pitches ready. And one of the things you need when you prepare a test pitch, and I've been into this in some detail in the past uh, when there was nothing better to do, and they need to really water the pitches until about 10 days before... The test match starts and then they stop watering and they sprinkle it occasionally but then they just do loads and loads of rolling well obviously with pitches being used neighbor next door for test matches underway you can't then water a pitch two three strips along and saturate it because it's just going to get muddy it's going to be it's going to be a quagmire during the game that is being played alongside it so they haven't been able to get the water on the pitches and therefore the rolling and the preparation for these subsequent two test matches that they would really like. Therefore, you've got a test pitch for this third test in a sequence at Old Trafford, which probably is a little bit underprepared, actually. And therefore, uh, batting on it is, is not easy, as uh, it has been shown, apart from Shan Massoud's really titanic 150, which could well be 
the, the match-winning innings, no one else, I suppose apart from Ollie Pope, have shown much fluency on this pitch. And Barbara Zam in the first innings as well. Let's yeah, not forget that. that, that yeah. lo- lovely 69 he made when the pitch was probably at, at its best. best. Although, yeah. you know, they weren't, they weren't easy batting conditions on the first day because the lights were on, it was overcast. And, you know, England have got this, this decent four-man pace attack. But Shan Massoud's innings... I mean, the one thing you've got to remember about Shan Massoud's innings, of course, is that he did have two big reprieves on 45. And he mm. went on to make 156. So... 156 minus 45 is 111, and Pakistan's first innings lead, 107. So, you know, it, it's cost a lot, those two mistakes by Joss Butler. I thought Butler actually batted really well this morning. Uh, you, you talk about players who've played well on this pitch, Sean Massoud, Baba Zam and Oli Pope, but Butler in that morning session is as well as I think I've seen him play mm. in a Test match, really disciplined Test match batting. It was tense, England were under pressure, they, they couldn't afford to make a mistake. And Butler didn't make a mistake in that morning session. He was tested by Mohamed Abbas. Of course he was, because that's the sort of bowler Mohamed Abbas is in these conditions, bowling wicket to wicket. And there was one over where you know, it felt like persecution, really. He beat him three times outside the off stump. But he, he battled through, played one or two nice shots. He showed a tremendous amount of, of discipline and, and good technique as well. And then went to lunch unbeaten and then was undone by Yassir Shahn. Yasser Shah, just after the break, you got one to go between uh, bat and pad and, and just clip the top of off stump. So you know, Butler played uh, very well, although, you know, you look in the book and it, it doesn't, doesn't really much, yeah. show it. You know, mm. it doesn't, doesn't look much, 38, but my goodness, he, he played really well. So I think, you know, credit yeah. where credit is due there. Mm. And, and actually, you know, the, the key thing is that he faced 108 balls and he's trusting his defence now. In fact, I noted in his previous innings, uh, in the last Test match, when he, he batted a long time for 60-odd, that he that was the longest he'd batted in a Test match, apart from his 100 at Trent Bridge uh, against the Indians uh, two or three years ago. And so he's, he's getting to grips with longer innings. Uh, it's just trying to find the right time to counter-attack. I still think he's probably better at number seven, than he is at number six. I think, I actually, I had a, a text from Sanjay Mandraka, the Indian commentator and, and obviously former Indian player the other day, uh, saying, why is Stokes at number four? You know, he's too high. Definitely, England's batting order does look a little bit shaky with Root at three, Stokes at four, Pope at five, and then Butler at six. It, you feel like it's one batsman light, really. But hopefully when Stokes can, can get back to bowling fully, as it hinted he might uh, at the end of today's play then they can all just move down at a spot and I think that will just give the team a little bit more solidity but but Butler in the end got undone as you say by Yassir Shah who sort of pretty much finished off the innings although I know Stuart Broad weighed in some hefty shots at the end there and uh, just gave England not exactly respectability but at least something to to defend 107 lead on this pitch though is is pretty good and Pakistan didn't ever kind of really get a partnership together in the second innings I suppose and uh, you know England stuck at it I didn't feel their bowlers were quite as on it as the Pakistanis were in that first England innings especially Shain Shah Afridi and Mohammad Abbas uh, absolutely nothing given away they were absolutely honing in like lasers on the Englishman's pads and stumps. And that was a, a fantastically compelling spell yesterday night, which I'm sure will get repeated again when England go into bat. Uh, 
just felt England, you know, they they were good, but there were sort of weaknesses there. Don Bess didn't manage to sustain quite enough pressure with the ball. But, but that saying that, the Pakistanis are such brilliant players of spin. And I hope that the likes of Dominic Sibley and maybe even Rory Burns learnt something from watching, you know, Mohammed Rizwan and Azad Shafiq and others, the way they played the spin, because they just looked at to back away outside leg and hit the ball against the spin through the offside and rotate the strike and it made Don Bess's job pretty tough. Yeah, I think Bess tonight will be feeling a bit disappointed and, and perhaps his captain disappointed in him as well. Twelve overs, one for forty. Just it felt a bit too short. I mean there is something in this pitch for the off-break bowler, obviously you'd love to have some leg-break bowlers in your team, of course you would. And Don Bess is a, you know, he's a young off-spinner, he's sort of learning his trade really and you often think of finger spinners sort of maturing as they, they get older and being more effective perhaps in the second half of their career than in the, the first half of their career. I mean, you know, that text you, you got from Sanjay Mandraker, you know, why is Stokes batting at four? Why is Butler batting at six? Well, we know why, because Stokes can't bowl and therefore England want that extra bowler. And, and one of the reasons they want that extra bowler is because, you know, they they have in the past, when they played four bowlers, they used Graham Swan in that role. And I don't think you can use Don Bess in that role in the way that England used Graham Swan. And Graham Swan was a high-class bowler, one of the best ever off spinners to, to bowl for England. And Bess clearly isn't in that class. And so, you know, it's, it's so much harder for Joe Root. He wants that extra bowler without... Stokes, so everyone has to go up one. You know, they... Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Don Best, just, just to, to interrupt slightly, I mean, to be fair to Don Best, he's only played 44 first-class games. Exactly. He's only 23 years old. Swan, when he came into his uh, prime as an England test player, was almost 30 and had played probably 200 games, or 160, 170 games. So, you know, four times as, as much experience and... Maybe he is a better bowler than Bess, but I think we need to give Don Bess a bit more time, probably. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't dispute that. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a novice off spinner, and you know the cupboard for England in terms of spin is relatively bare. So you know he's got his opportunity, but that's the that's the reason why England have got the team they've got in this match because you know he's not a, he's not a banker in the way that Graham Swan was. You know when Graham Swan was was bowling for England, you know they could play four bowlers because Swan would do a, a job in the first innings, a whole job in the first innings and then he would run through you in the second innings not always but you know that that was his job and, and often he I came up with also it. the other thing about Swan was he came on the scene just when uh, the, the sort of DRS idea was being introduced and Hawkeye was being used a lot more and batsmen weren't really accustomed to the, the new dimensions of the stumps actually I mean the stumps I worked out that because of the umpire's call and the balls clipping the stumps being often given out on an LBW decision that actually it's made the stumps something like 30% wider in the umpire's perception and obviously in the batsman's experience as well. So uh, batsmen had to adapt to the the, uh, the new kind of dimensions of the stumps and the new tactics of the bowlers. And probably the bowlers kind of had a step ahead, the spinners had a step ahead for a while. The batsmen have started to counter that now. And therefore, you know, Dominic Bess has come into a, a, a test match arena where batsmen are a little bit more accustomed to how DRS works and how to overcome it or how to overcome a, a bowler trying to hit them on the pads. Uh, so, you know, I think Swan was blessed in some ways with the time that he arrived and no doubt, you know, Bess uh, is, a, is a work in progress anyway. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, Yoz, you're, you're absolutely right. I suppose one of the big surprises of the day's play was to see Ben Stokes bowling. It's, it's almost as if you, you sort of can't keep him down. It must be so frustrating for him because, you know, he's out for naught in the first <laughs> innings. He dropped a catch today. You, you can just sort of sense him. I, I want to have an impact on this Test match. Didn't have much of an impact on the last game. He's sort of standing there at slip. He did catch one, actually, after he... He dropped one. He dropped Abid Ali, which was so frustrating for Jimmy Anderson, who kicked the turf later in the over after the you know later ball went for four as well. And then Stokes pouched uh, Barbara Zam. Vital wicket uh, with Chris Wokes getting in the wickets again. And then Stokes towards the end of the day's play, so, you know, he sort of thrust England further forward, picking up a couple of wickets. Rizwan LBW and then Shaheen Afridi banked out towards the close of play, just to sort of drag England right back in the mm. game. Uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. It really isn't going to be easy on, on a on a fourth day pitch. That actually probably is, might be a bit more like a I don't know a fifth day mm. pitch. You know, we think of it as being fourth day, but whether it's you know it started quite dry. I think everyone noted that. And Pakistan, you know, Jason Holder saw the conditions at Old Trafford on the first day. One two tosses, decided to bowl first. <laughs> no, not Pakistan. It was overcast. The lights were on potentially tricky batting addition no we definitely want to to bat first we need to be brave here and, and and go for it that was part of their game plan they got the two spinners so you know and they've got those runs in the bank and now they'll, they'll look to exploit it it won't just i don't think it'll just be the spinners the pace bowlers as well they've got this good all-round mm. attack but it's quite a you know it's a relatively inexperienced mm. attack so it, you know if england can build a partnership or two then perhaps the pressure does reverse onto Pakistan. It's going to be an intriguing day because I think it's going to be finished tomorrow. Whatever yeah. happens, it's unlikely that the game is going to go into a fifth day. If we do go into a fifth day, there won't be a great deal of, of cricket left. But I mentioned Jimmy Anderson there. He's taken six wickets this summer. He's on 590 overall. Mm. He's taken his wickets this summer at high 30s while he's seen Wokes and Broad at the other end take their wickets, you know, really skinny figures. You know, you're talking to in, in, in the teens for, for Broad and Wokes. What, what have you made of him? Well, I think that he's still bowling well and he's still actually generating decent pace. He's still bowling 84, 85 miles an hour. He don't, he's not moving the ball massively. Uh, I think maybe, and this was something I just alluded to on yesterday's show, I think maybe he's he's still applying his uh, sort of metronomic accuracy a little bit too much to the, the conventional idea of fourth and fifth stump and I'm going to try and get the edge, rather than try, going to hit the pads, going to hit the stumps. That comes from not quite being as um, confident in your speed and your potency, I suppose. And look, he's 38 and, you know, he's supremely fit. He's still a fantastic bowler. Things, your muscles, you know, I think bowling is one of those, it's, it's such a pure athletic discipline, fast bowling, where all these little tiny sinews and, and muscles and ligaments and things all have to, you know, spring together to, to generate that speed and that zip off the pitch. And, you know, 38, they're not going to be as snappy and as springy as they were at 28, undoubtedly. His speeds are still good, but there's just something about his deception, maybe, which isn't quite as good as it was. We can't write him off, and maybe the ball isn't swinging quite as much uh, as it has in previous years. The Duke's ball sort of nipped around like a a, a sort of sneaky snake for for many of the, the test matches over the last two or three years, but it hasn't been as waspish, that swing he generated this year. 
Um, so, I, I, you know, it's, it, we're talking tiny margins here, you know, 5%, 10%. And, you know, while we talk about Anderson, um, you know, Joffre Archer too. I see that he was quoted yesterday after yesterday's players saying this is not a wicket to bend your back on, which is a bit of an excuse, I think, for perhaps not just finding his rhythm and not, you know, you can't just t- tear in as fast as you can and bowl 90, 95 miles an hour just like that. Everything needs to, to be working in sync and, and be in fluent rhythm. And I remember Alan Donald, you know, one of the greatest fast bowlers has ever been, one of the fastest bowlers. You know, if he, he said if he ran in too fast, it came out like a wet fart, really. Whereas, you know, if he got his run up exactly right, the right speed, that's when he hit the crease at the right kind of momentum. And then all the, all the sort of spring and coil and all that that need, you need for the, for the generation of pace worked. So Arch is not quite right. Um, and I don't think he knows himself how to change. You know, when you're 23, 24, you don't know your bowling action. You, 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 you click sometimes and you don't really know why. And actually, if we think back to the two really fast spells he generated last summer, the first one was, was really provoked by Pat Cummins, who had bowled a lot of bounces to Archer in his first test and uh, given him a bit of a sort of working over. So then when Pat Cummins came into bat, Archer did the same back to him and it just happened to be Steve Smith at the other end. And that was when he generated that amazing spell where he hit Smith a few times. And then the other time he bowled seriously fast was probably at the Oval against Matthew Wade, who has a habit of you know rubbing opposition bowlers up the wrong way and, and, and an archer really fired. But sometimes you need that sort of inspiration, that provocation to really generate that speed. And at the moment, Archer hasn't quite found that. Yeah, it was tidy enough today, five overs to 13. But I suppose Joe Root wanted wickets, didn't he? He, he wanted more than just tidy because, in a way, he's got tidy with Anderson Broad and Wokes. You don't quite want four seamers the same, and they're not quite the same. But you want Anderson, you want Archer really to be your point of difference. You want him to, you know, to be able to crank up the speeds and whatever reason today. He wasn't able to do it. I mean, one thing I thought actually about Pakistan's batting, though, when they're 137 for eight, there were a few wickets that were frittered away. I mean, Shan Masood, I mean, what about, what about the cricket mm. gods? You get 150 in the first innings, and then the second innings, you get caught yeah. down the leg side, which is always feels like a strangle for a batsman, caught <laughs> down the leg side for naught. There was Abid Ali slogging one to deep mid-wicket. There was the runner. That was a bad bit of, that was a bad bit of batting, actually. You know, it was one ball turned from Bess and he went for a big slog the next ball. Yeah, and so then there was Asajafik run out. I, mean, I felt, I've always felt during this test match that a run out was on for, for Pakistan. I mean, I mean, it has been a good tactic for yeah. them because they have disrupted England, but you've, you felt there have been some tight singles. They're almost suicidal singles taken at times and England haven't been able to hit the stumps. Well, for once, Dom Sibley, he was able to hit the stumps and he ran out Shafiq. That was a, quite a big moment. Barbara Zam played a, a loose shot against Wokes. Stokes with the catch. So there were a f- there were a few wickets frittered away. Azarali, you know, LBW again to to Wokes playing across his front pad. Second time he's been LBW in this Test match to Chris Wokes. His, his average in the last couple of years is, is quite you know he's down on his overall average. Uh, you know, th- so that Pakistan's batting was not particularly convincing, which you know helped England. Ne- England needed some help really to to get themselves uh, back in this Test match. So you know, eight eight down. But Pakistan, perhaps tonight, will be thinking mm. of, have we sort of opened the door 
to England rather than England sort of themselves sort of grabbing mm. hold of the test match and sort of thrusting their way back into it. Although, you know, to be fair to Stokes, he, you know, he came on, did make something happen towards the end of the, the day because you know, England were in a situation where they just could not afford not to keep on taking wickets regularly. It had to be bang, bang, bang. And it you know, almost happened. Eight down by the close and you know, four latish wickets has you know he's given England a, a sniff in this test match uh, uh, but as I said at the start I think I'd still rather be in in Pakistan's shoes and of course it'd be great for them if they could add another you know who knows another 20 runs tomorrow morning the impish Yasser Shah out there you know you never quite know what you're going to get with him uh, with the bat I mean, it could be two out straight away in the first thing t- tomorrow morning but you know on the other hand you know another 20 or 30 and that is going to make England's task on what could well be the final day very difficult indeed yeah, I, I agree. Uh, in fact, there was a, a telling stat at the end of the day's play. Uh, England were 244 behind, or uh, well, Pakistan were 244 ahead, rather. And uh, the day's play was 264 runs and 14 wickets. So, basically, 264 for 14, it, which implies that you know 250 is a tough score to make. So, if Pakistan get another 25... Uh, to to make the target, let's say, 270, I favour Pakistan. If England can knock them over for an additional 10 runs, I just fancy England, actually. Win-vis, the the, the crit-vis sort of win predictor, had Pakistan at 76% win likelihood. I think uh, it's more like, at the moment, I think it's more like about 60-40 Pakistan. If England can just knock over those last two wickets quickly... Chasing 255, I don't know. I reckon England could win that. Yeah, well, I'd much rather be in Pakistan's shoes. Even if they were bowled out for the same score as they've got now, even if they lose their two wickets for no runs in the morning, I still prefer to be in their position, bowling us with their bowling attack. But it's not, it's not beyond... England. What it what it does do is it, it sets up what should be a, a fascinating final day. Whatever happens, you know, if England get rolled out for 160, it still makes it a really interesting last day to see how Pakistan go about it and see how England, you know, try to to haul themselves back into a match which they, you know, well behind in. They have done it before. England England teams in this situation with the famous Test match in in 2000 at Lords, where England conceded a first innings lead of 100 against West Indies and came back to to win there. Very tight match at, at Lords on a, on a Saturday, thrilling Saturday. They've done it on this ground at, at Old Trafford, where they conceded a big lead to, to New Zealand in 2008. 179 runs on that occasion. Monty Panesar rolled New Zealand over in the second innings for just over 100, taking six wickets, and England knocked off 294 to win, which is the highest score chased down by a side batting second on this ground. But I, ju- I just feel there's a bit more in this pitch for Pakistan's bowlers to exploit than there was that day uh, with Daniel Vittori bowling a lot of overs. There was some spin for, for New Zealand, but it was a very windy test match, really sort of strange conditions that game back in, in 2008. Anyway, you know, it's, it's different players. It's the same countries, you know, country playing England, but very different players. So it's, it's hard to sort of equate two test matches but great opportunity for Pakistan, fantastic opportunity to, to come here and, and win the first Test match of the summer. I think they're, they're just bef- I just wonder if they've got that feeling tonight, oh, have we just let England back into the game a bit more than we should have done? Well, we're gonna have, I'll have a bet with you then. So we'll have a tenner on it, shall we? I'm, I'm betting a tenner on England. 
And you're okay. you're going to bet a tenner on Pakistan, yeah? Well, I I, I think Pakistan. Yeah, I think I prefer to be in Pakistan's position. Okay, then I'll take that. Yeah, we'll see where we are tomorrow. Okay, good. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, good forecast, anyway. Uh, it, Old Trafford may just be clear for the the entire day. Uh, let's hope so, and uh, let's follow it all. Uh, you can, of course, follow it on BBC TMS all day or on Sky as well. Uh, and it's going to be on live, and I'm going to be watching it, and you are going to be watching it, and probably you at home are as well. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you at this time tomorrow night, hopefully with an England win. Podcast Network.